Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Wisdom Wednesday here at the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we kick back up in Proverbs chapter number 4, and we're going to be looking at the path of the wicked and understanding from what we received last week in that if we take firm hold of instruction and we follow the teachings we receive from God's word in righteousness that we will not walk the way of the wicked which will give us long life and give us uh, fulfilled life which which is definitely what every single human soul on the face of this planet is desiring to have. Unfortunately, there are many without a knowledge of God's word, even though they may be called the children of God. Very important point to make there. They are without God's word in knowledge, and so they continue to walk in the paths of unrighteousness. They continue to follow the way of the wicked, and they're ultimately going to be destroyed in that way simply because they could have known what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. They had the word of God there. And they could be touched by the word of God and moved by the word of God and 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 filled by the word of God. But they they chose the ways of this world, which acknowledged in Proverbs here are the ways of wickedness. So we're going to get into that today. <clears throat> Here, we're going to be picking back up in verse number 14, which tells us, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And so for from verse number 15 to 17, it describes a section of, or should I say from verse number 14 to verse number 17, it describes the path of a people that have not done what verse number 13 has told them to do, that have not done what verse 12 told them to do. You look at it and it says, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. He says, take firm hold of instruction, do not let go. Keep her, the instruction end is referred to, for she is your life. You see that in verse 11, I have taught you in the path or in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. So it isn't that the, the people receiving this proverb, it isn't that they have not grown up knowing what was right to do. And often you hear this scenario played out by, by people saying, I don't know what has happened to my children. I raised them right. I raised them in church. I, I you know, Every time the doors were open, I made sure that they were theirs they they had the instruction they had the the ability to obtain the wisdom they but but they've fallen away they don't go to church they don't believe in god they don't do this they don't do that well indeed you gave them all of the tools to be able to make right choices but there's two things that might have hindered their ability to follow in those right choices or to make them in the first place the first thing might have been you 
And I, I know that that's probably just time to turn this thing off. <laughs> it's upsetting to hear that. But just because you make someone else do something doesn't mean that they're going to retain or receive that if you're not doing that also. If you're not living that example and prepared to answer those questions that they have around the dinner table or want to discuss it at all, but you're forcing them at that point because you're not interested in doing it, but you're making them go, so you're forcing them uh, to do this thing that they see that you won't do, then it's not like their heart is open to retain that. They're, they're not interested if you're not interested, and they're not willing if you're not willing, but they are forced at that point. So they do what they have to do until they're able to get out from underneath you, and then they don't do it anymore. Uh, that's one scenario. The other scenario is that, indeed, you go, you try, you answer the questions, you're doing what you can, but ultimately it comes down to that that position that they're faced with the choices that they have to make and you can't make them for them they got to make those choices for themselves and if they've made the choice that they walk away then they walk away and that is the broken heart of solomon here that you can see what he is saying he said look i've taught you in the way of wisdom i've led you in right paths Solomon's saying there's there's no reason for you to get sidetracked from what I've given you as instruction. And at that, it's even bigger for Solomon because he's the king. You know, if the children weren't going to obey him because they saw him as as a dad, yet the children would discover their need to obey him because he's more than a dad. He's a king. <laughs> And so he said, I've taught you in the in the way of wisdom. I've led you in the right path. So when you walk, you know, these these when you walk is a statement that is revealing at the time that you've got to make decisions. Because the the, the people that Solomon is writing to, certainly some of them, after, after all, you've got close to a thousand wives slash concubines running around. So you're going to have a lot of children that haven't been born yet. You're going to have a lot of children that have just been born. You're going to have a lot of children that, that you know, are, are in various stages of their life. And so as having written this, he says, when you walk. Now, for those that haven't been born, there's going to come a day. For those that have just been born, there's going to come a day. For, for the multitude that are in the middle, you might be walking now, and, and you might be, be talking now, but, but this is written as a phrase that means when you come up to a decision, and th this is referring to us right now. Uh, when when you were asked something to do, a couple of the guys get together and say, hey man, come on, this is going to be a riot. Do this with us. You, you are now faced a, with a when you walk scenario. Because at that point, come with us or do this with us or oh, you're a chicken, you're just afraid that it's going to hurt you, or you're, you're a nobody because you don't smoke, or you're, you're not cool because you don't do this or that or the other. you got to do this with us or we're going to never respect you, blah, blah, blah. That They're drawing you to the position of having to take a walk. That decision to move into action of doing something, of saying something, of 
of going somewhere, of being something that you wouldn't ever choose to be or, or that you wouldn't normally be, that's a walk. Because you're being moved just like when you walk, like physically walk, you're, you're moving into the action of going from one place to another. When you make a decision, no matter how small or monumental that decision is, you ultimately are taking a walk in that decision because you're going from one position of being unto another position through a decision. And that is the ultimate truth of salvation in itself. In this one way that you are walking, you discover through through wisdom that that way is a way that leads to destruction. It is a way that leads to death. And so as discovering an, another way, the only way, in fact, you discover that you need to make this, this ultimate decision that is going to change the path of the entirety of your existence. And so, as you make that decision to trust in God's Word and you walk away from death and you choose life, this is an, an ultimate decision that, that you must make that, that brings you out of the path of this wickedness and into the path of righteousness. But now that you in this decision you have made ha have been born again, and you say, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. You don't have a choice in that. You don't get a choice in that. That's something that has been determined before you even born. You, you, you were going to be saved the whole time you were going to be saved. Well, that's in the realm of God, and God only knows, without question, the doctrine of predestination is, is, is given to us through the book of Romans in specific, and it does spell out for us that we would expect an all-knowing God and an everywhere God and an all-powerful God, just like our God, Yahweh of the Bible. We would expect that he would certainly know but he's also created us in his own image and he's created us in his likeness and he knows that in giving us the strength as he is to make that decision that in our determined state of deciding a path that we will remain that path regardless of what may come. And so that he knows what we're going to do, but he's not imparted that to us. We have to discover what we're going to do through the choices that we make, which mold us into the person that we become. And so that we may choose the path that we walk, we choose Christ and separate from the path of unrighteousness, you will see that verse number 12 says, when you walk, when you make that decision that moves you into the path, the right path, like it says verse 11, then your steps will not be hindered. There won't be anything coming in between you and God. There won't be anything coming in between you and, and your walk with God, your, your love for God. 
He said, when you run, you will not stumble. Well, hallelujah. But the decision has has to be made. The choice must be full, completed or fulfilled. And that when you walk. Now, this word when, of verse number 12, this word when, um, it, it doesn't say if, it doesn't say if you're going to make this decision, it says when you're going to make this decision. And what this means is, is that regularly, everyone watching this right now has had the gospel shared with them at points of time in their life that they turned away from it, that they rejected it. That there was a time where where you heard the gospel, but rather you were too young and it didn't matter, or rather you were uh, like me and you were in a state of rebellion and and you 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 weren't gonna trust Jesus, you weren't gonna receive that gospel simply because adults were telling you what you needed to do, and and you felt like you knew what you were doing. And that you didn't need any adult supervision or control over your life. So they're telling you about this Jesus. It's a it's a, an adult control to be able to monitor your your life. And so you rejected the gospel not because it didn't make sense, not because it wasn't something good to hear. And by the way, you re, you retain that gospel in your heart because it was something that was good outside of a life that you believed to be so miserable. But you weren't going to come to Jesus simply because adults were telling you that's what you needed to do or that's what you were supposed to do, and you weren't going to be obedient to them for certain. <laughs> and that's, there's a lot of kids out there riding that yellow cheese bus. There's a lot of kids out there. Had to add that in because Miss Carol Brown watches this. She'll hear the yellow cheese, and she'll be like, Hey, wait a minute. I was a bus driver. <laughs> that's because she knows I love her to pieces. But nevertheless, that there's a lot of kids on those buses that that are not rebellious because they 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 want to just be like gods themselves. They're rebellious because they just don't trust their parents. They don't trust adults. They don't trust people. They've reached that weird place in teenage life where everyone's against you and no one's for you, so you trust no one, so everything you're being told in your heart or outwardly, you're going to rebel against. Don't ask me why it's that way. It's it's just that, that period of life. And he says, when you walk, well, there's always going to come that time where your heart is going to be impacted in such a mighty way as that you're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to make some decisions about what you're going to do with your life. That's a when you walk moment. You're going to have to make decisions about how you're going to to support a family. That's a when you walk decision. You're going to have to make decisions about about. Uh, lots of different things as you're discovering now you're starting to roll the wheels and discover that you've had a lot of when you walk moments in your life and a lot of those moments I think that you're going to discover are moments that uh, didn't work out too well because you didn't have God's instruction in your life to make the right paths known that you would walk the path of the wicked. You didn't take firm hold of the instruction of God's word. You let you let go of those things that, that could have guided you. You didn't trust 
the parents' instruction, you didn't trust the preacher's instruction, the, the Sunday school's instruction, the Bible's instruction. You, di- you didn't trust these things that could have given you more life, that could have made your life. Uh, so what do you do? Well, there's only one other thing to do. You enter the path of the wicked. And when you enter the path of the wicked, you're going to walk in the way of evil. And that's, that's what we see in verse number 14. As he says, do not enter the path of the wicked. We know that if we, if we refuse to take firm hold of instruction and we refuse to receive that when you walk scenario, that we enter into the path of wicked. Why? Because there's only two paths that can be taken in this world and never such a thing as there been as gray area between them. There is either the way of righteousness or the, the way of wickedness. And why is it not a fallacy to say that as an either or or false dichotomy, uh, logical fallacy, and the reason is because God is the one who established the boundaries between what is righteous and what is wicked. You'd know that if you had the Bible, not just on your bookshelf collecting dust, but actually open and, and in your heart. So, so God, who is almighty in his righteousness and, and perfect in all of his ways, who had created man who, who was created in his ways and after his likeness, who had made a choice empowered to be able to do so by, by the nature of his, the way that he was created in the image of God, made this choice and brought death into the world, we now are faced with one of two choices, either the pathway that leads to death or the pathway that leads to life. And it isn't God who brought that choice into existence. It's man who brought that choice into existence after rebelling against God. And so if we choose rebellion, we choose death, and that's just as simple as it gets. It doesn't get any simpler than that. He says, do not enter the path of the wicked. And of course, if you're not going to walk in the ways of righteousness, you are going to enter the path of the wicked. You are going to walk in the way of evil. You're not going to avoid it, nor will you will you avoid traveling on this path. You're not going to turn away from it and pass on by it. You're going to get all the way in it. You're going to slide down that slope. And a lot of you know exactly what I'm saying because a lot of you have had to return unto Jesus in repentance and, 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 and reestablish your walk with God. A lot of you have fallen away from the Lord. You you at one time, so many testimonies, which I will give no names, but you know the testimonies of those who at one point of their life had come to faith in Jesus, but not really having any understanding, nor understanding the importance of knowing God's word. Uh, they fell away from this, from their faith. They went back into the world. They got all kinds of nasty up in the world. And, and, and in a lot of ways, they've devastated their lives. They got into drugs. They got into partying. They got into to riotous living of one sort or another, or got into a group of people that did riotous living. And 
and and for years being separated from God was just living in wickedness only to to realize in their heart man I got I got to give up this stuff I can't do this anymore I've got to go back to church and you discover that it wasn't church that you left this whole time it was God that you left it was Jesus that you abandoned only to come to that knowledge that you you give your heart to Jesus once more and you get your life straight and you, you're now a servant of the Lord. Well, hallelujah, praise God. But a lot of you know the path that I'm talking about because instead of staying true to the path of righteousness, instead of sticking with those things Solomon said, don't let go of it, don't, don't walk away from it, you did. You did take firm hold of instruction. You took firm hold of wickedness again he said for they they do not sleep these people on the path of wickedness these people traveling the road of unrighteousness they they don't sleep unless they've done evil <laughs> in other words sleep being at peace they, they don't find a position of peace in their heart unless they've done something mean unless they've done something evil now i know plenty of people that are this way and i know that you know plenty of people that are this way that that they're not satisfied unless they've they've hurt somebody's feelings they're not happy unless they made somebody miserable and they're not they're not satisfied unless everybody's miserable then they seem to be happy but that's because the whole climate of of the room or the whole congregation or the whole of their friends are all miserable right alongside of them and, and they're not satisfied until they've brought everybody down to their level. See, they're not going to sleep. They're not going to be at peace. They're not going to find rest unless they've done evil. And their sleep is, is taken away unless they make someone fall. That's the whole point. I'm unsatisfied. I'm not happy unless I'm hurting someone else. If I see other people hurting the way I hurt, then I can rest because I've done my job. I've done well. And that's just cruel. I mean, it's cruelty. And when you read this, and as we're looking at this together in this session, you say, wow, how can anybody be that way? Catch yourself. Catch yourself in that statement. Because all of us have been that way at some point of time or another in our life. All of us have made someone fall. And if you haven't, now I'm not saying, I mean, that's a blanket statement, all of us. And in order to be able to make that statement, that, that was what we would call a position of rhetoric, which is just moving people emotionally into a state of of coming to agreement with with actually committing a logical fallacy because for me to to say all of us have been there that that would require that i know every single one of you that's watching this right now <laughs> and and the, the the large possibility of that is that i don't have any clue who you are nor you who i am and so we, we discover that i can't technically make that claim of all of us have made someone fall that all of us would not sleep unless we've done evil now i mean i can certainly attribute that to my own life before coming to christ because i used to very much be this person but I, i'm just certain 
that within every single human heart that had been graced by the fall of Adam and gripped by sin until they repented of such things to receive Jesus as their Savior, I'm pretty sure everyone has either caused someone to fall by following them. You remember when you walk, following them in the path of their unrighteousness, or they have destroyed somebody in their heart by by thinking such hateful things about them that they that they they were so miserable when in their presence that they just brought a general misery over the whole room, over the whole group of people over that person's life so that they became miserable, you became happy. Either way, most of us, save a handful maybe, <laughs> have uh, have been this person, if we're willing to admit it. I mean, just, just plain and simple, if we're willing to admit it. He said, they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of, of violence. Now, this drink the wine of violence, this is actually going to come in pretty important because when when we're over in Revelations and we're just getting ready to uh, complete chapter 16 and move into chapter 17 coming tomorrow, uh, it's very important to understand about this cup. This cup is being held by this harlot and this cup is filled with the blood of the saints. It's the wrath of that dragon against the the word and, and people and things of God. And so it is known as a, the wine of violence. So with, with this religion that is going to grip the world in, in the time of the tribulation, it's going to grip the world not with a communion of peace, but with a communion of violence. And, and the cup that will be shared by the people of this world that have not come to faith in, in Jesus is going to be a cup of violence, which is where your martyred saints are going to be slaughtered and, and where the desire to destroy the 144,000 is going to be for that whole seven years a, a driving goal. And so that you find that that if you follow in the path of wickedness and you have walked in the ways of evil, that, that you would not sleep unless you have done evil or that you would not be satisfied unless you made someone fall, it would be the drink of the wine of violence that would be your your taste. And you would be feasting upon the bread of wickedness. It, it, it would be a part of your soul. Whereas we know that Jesus said he was the bread of life, and whereas we know that that Jesus' blood is recognized as, as that which would be the, the wine of righteousness, for as we take of the grape juice during our communion, we recognize the payment for the penalty of our sin and the shed blood of our Savior, who be the Lamb of God, which take away our sins. We recognize that beautiful wine of righteousness. Well, here we see the antithesis to that as being the wine of violence that must be drunk by those who will not surrender to Christ for instead of bread of life that they may feast upon coming from the riches of God's word, they only have the bread of wickedness that is fed to them by this world as being slaves and not being able to feed them on selves. Oh, but the path of the just is like the shining sun. That sounds really good, doesn't it?
that the, the path of the just is a path that shines even brighter unto the perfect day. Now, aside from that, the way of the wicked is, is darkness. So we, we, we have this scenario, this, this black and white scenario of one of two directions, which again, God is capable of establishing, whereas man is not. Hence, it is not a false dichotomy. It is not an either or fallacy because this is the nature of God's creation. As he is righteous and as he is true, then you will either choose to walk in his truth and the light of his righteousness, or you will be gripped by the power of darkness and being separated from that light of life. It's just there is no gray area here. You see, God, God in the brilliance of his, of his glory, he made darkness in order to be able to divide the day from the night or the light from the darkness. He had to, he had to create darkness as Jeremiah would, would make known that he created this thing is that in his presence unto creation of all things, it would be necessary for darkness to be an element that would be made for in the presence of God and in the presence of that throne room and in the presence of of the new Jerusalem that we see. Anytime we come into the presence of Almighty God, we come into the Shekinah of his glory, and it's a brilliance that shines forevermore. And it's so bright that there will not be, as Jesus is the light of God, that he sits in the midst of the the throne there in his new Jerusalem, that there's not going to be a need for a sun, a moon, or the stars, because Jesus will be the light of the world, and his light will be so perfect. So we see that in the beginning, when Jesus was with God, and, and in the beginning, when God was creating all things, the same brilliance of the light of Jesus, the same brilliance of the Shekinah of God was was there at the beginning as well as all the way through. And so we understand that that walking in Jesus is walking in a shining path, for he is as brighter than the shining sun that is ever brighter unto the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is darkness. It's just that simple. And they do not know what makes them stumble. And that's why it's darkness. It's not like you're going to be... Like right now, I'm sitting under plenty of light in order for you to be able to see me. I've got lots of light going on in here. But I, I could not understand the things that I'm reading. I could I could be teaching way out of my head right here and, 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 and not giving you any truth because I wouldn't be able to understand. And there's no greater darkness than not being able to understand something. And, and the danger of the darkness that we face in our life every day is, is not understanding God's word, therefore not being able to make good choices in our day because we don't know what is good. We don't know what is right to be able to make those choices. And so, though we think we've done something good, we discover that because we could not see our way through the the decision, that indeed we were still in darkness. It's that way of the wicked that just 
don't understand why they stumble. They don't know what makes them stumble. And in fact, they're trying to figure out, have you ever done some silly and stupid stuff and you're just blaming everybody for it? The reality is you're the one that made that decision. You're the one that made that choice. But because you didn't like the results of what happened to you in your life or to your health, you got to blame everybody else. One prime example of this, and I'll never forget it. I don't know why I remember it. Maybe because I thought, hey, I I can make some money off of this. But it was that idiot that that, that had gotten a a cup of coffee. This was a a man back in the the mid-80s, I think, before coffee cups in restaurants warned you saying, caution, this cup is hot or hot liquids or whatever. They were at a, a, a McDonald's through the drive-through, and they ordered a coffee, and the person gave them a coffee, but they didn't secure the top onto the coffee good enough, and the and, and the individual took the coffee into the car, and the top wasn't on very well, and it ended up spilling on that person, and it, and it was hot liquid, and so they sued McDonald's for over a million dollars, and they won. <laughs> and and they won and, and and what just kills me on this is that that the way of the wicked is like darkness they don't know what makes them stumble that you know granted the person that was inside of the, the, the mcdonald's they they could have pushed the made sure that the top was down granted but every time i've ever gotten a cup of coffee from a fast food joint i've always checked the top for myself because i don't want to wear that hot liquid i know what's inside of it i ordered it and so i made the choice to order that hot liquid and i made the choice to receive that cup now i've gotta make the decision to check and make sure that everything's good before I start drinking that cup because if I don't I'm gonna get burned very possibly and so this person blamed the person that gave them the cup they blamed the business that that sold them that cup they they blamed the cup itself but they never blamed themselves when it was one little thing that that person could have done that would have made all the difference in the world. And thus, you'll find that the way of wicked is like darkness. They they don't understand that ultimately, at the end of all things, it is themselves. It is they who stumble because of their choices, their actions. He says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. The eyes and the heart have a direct connection there. Very important to make that. Uh, He's not necessarily talking about the eyeballs that you're using to watch this right now. And those eyeballs may be your ears as you're driving along. Uh, in, in listening to a podcast, you see there's a whole lot more to the eye than just the spherical ball that sits in your skull. Because as your ears are hearing this, it's pulling it into your heart so that your heart can see. Your, your heart uses your ears to be able to see. Your heart uses your eyes to be able to hear. And to be able to see, you see, these these senses that we have all connect back ultimately to the heart to be able to give us power to make decision and choice. So he said, don't 
let this wisdom depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. These truths that you're receiving today are, are life. If you're willing to find them, discover them, pull them into your heart and know them, they will become health to your flesh. You see, you gotta you gotta observe, but you also have to keep your heart. This where keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. All of the issues of your life has come out of your heart. That's that's the truth, because your heart is deceitful above all things, is desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is Jeremiah 17. And it's your heart keep. That word keep, we continue to come across that word keep written in the scriptures because God is calling you to an observance of your thoughts just like would be found in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 where where we would find that we are to bring every thought subject to Christ every thought so it's 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 from verses 1 down to verse number 6 that we may pull down the strongholds that have gripped us and he says that we are to observe our heart. Now, there's a lot of things that our, our heart desires that are not of God, and we've got to be observant of those choices that we're considering so as to bring those choices in the light of God's Word to say, is this something I really need to be doing? Is this a direction I really need to be going? Is this a, a commodity such as excessive alcohol use or, or smoking or drugs or whatever? To bring that before the Lord and say, is this something that I really need to be doing? And will, will this honor my king? And if the answer to that question very simply is no, uh, Get out of that path. Get out of that that direction of wickedness because it's only going to bring you to a destruction in your own soul. The truth is, is that the Word of God is life to those who find it. The Word of God is the bread of life. The Word of God is a well of water springing up ever, unto everlasting life. And he says, if you will guard, observe your heart with all diligence, you'll understand that the issues of life will all be dealt with by God's Word because out of your heart come every issue of your life. Every addiction you're facing rests or resides in your heart. Every every bad decision you've ever made began in your heart. Every, every path that you're walking currently is a path that is walked in your heart. Everything is dealing with the, the, your heart. Everything. And, and if you're not observing your own heart, if you're not observing the things that you're doing, if you're if you're traveling through this life just just drifting through and really not paying attention to anything or anyone in your life, you're going to die. I mean, it's just that there's so much that could be wrong that could be made right. If you would just observe, if you would just keep now the other point of observation is to guard or is to protect this word keep means to observe and to guard and to protect and you can't be letting wicked stuff come into your life and just accept it as what everybody else is doing and to just carry on so what if it makes you different you can't let wickedness into your life 
You can't follow the path of unrighteousness and think that you'd be pleasing God. You can't you can't choose this direction and then think that God is allowing you to stay in his path too. You can't walk two paths. And you say, wait a minute, here comes another false dichotomy. No, that's not the case at all. Joshua even made the point in, in, in his last message to his people in, in Joshua chapter 24. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, you're either going to go into the paths of wickedness and chase after the gods of the lands around you and of your forefathers, or you are going to walk with God and that you've got to make that choice. And by the way, you might have to face that choice every day for the company that you keep and for the for the desires of your flesh as being a newborn child of God. You've got all of this flesh you still have to fight against and, and contend with, and it's going to try and draw you away in any given moment. You've got to be there to fight that. You've got to keep your heart. That's something you got to do. That's something you must do. You've got to keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Oh, so true. Well, we, we're not going to get out of Proverbs today. Uh, we, we are so close, but we'll, 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 we'll proceed in the future here, uh, rather to finish off Proverbs chapter 4 next week, or we'll just jump right into chapter 5 so you can read the, the last of Proverbs. I'll decide. We'll get to it because it's worth hitting every scripture of Proverbs, isn't it? Line upon line, because this is some good stuff. May God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. And I'll catch you tomorrow as we ramp back up into Revelation chapter number, effectively 17, but we'll finish off 16, a little bit left that's left, and then dive in. And I'll catch you then. Take care.